In the previous episode, we started talking about interest um, and inflation. Both are going in the upward direction. But what should you know and what can you do? Stay tuned for this part two of this two-part series. This is Thrive 1110 with Bold Care A of Bold Care Financial, guiding you toward business success and bringing clarity to personal finance. This is Thrive 1110. Welcome to Thrive 1110. This is the show where you get Bible-friendly, practical tips on business and money so you can thrive. And as you thrive, remember the Lord your God who enables you to do so by being an agent of transformation in your family, in your community, and in your city. I'm Bold Kerry, your host, and you can catch up on the on the previous episode, uh, on part one of um, the episode uh, we are tackling today can catch and as well as on, on other episodes of Thrive 1110, you can go um, to the chri.ca website. You can also go to thrive1110.ca website. That's thrive1110.ca. And you can also catch it up on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc., etc. So we are continuing on this subject of inflation and interest rates. What you need to know and uh, what can you do. In the previous episode, I briefly... Uh, explain what inflation is, how it is measured, and what is the Bank of Canada doing to influence inflation upwards or downwards. And uh, and uh, and I gave you the the current numbers for um, our inflation and um, interest rates. Now I also started giving you um, uh, some some practical things you can do in regards to uh, to this situation we're in. And, uh, and going forward. And the number one thing I mentioned last week was during the last episode was uh, review your spending plan. And that works both on the personal side and in the corporate side of things. And in the corporate side of things, you might want to consider uh, the, the help of a, of a chief financial officer to really make those numbers, those accounting bookkeeping numbers that you have come to life and, and tell you exactly um, inform you exactly on what you need to do strategically when you're planning strategically for the month and um, for the seasons ahead. Now, let's move to number two, uh, action plan number two. And uh, this is our Let's Get Practical section. Bold. Let's get practical. Action plan number two, review your upcoming goals and transitions. Now, I talked about reviewing your spending plan, but really, most of the time, it is very hard to go back and dig into these numbers. That's even if you have the motivation to do that and, uh, and, uh, and find meaning to those numbers of yours. Now, something that can really be a motivation, that can really be a factor that drives you and leads you towards doing action point number one is reviewing your goals and transitions. If you have goals that you want to achieve, if you have um, if you have ambitions that you want to reach, maybe within this year, the coming year, um, and uh, and the years in in the next five ten years, these are goals that you have, and uh, you want to review those goals because if they have meaning for you, if these goals are meaningful to you, it will somewhere disturb you and motivate you to just go back and look at your numbers to see if they're aligned and if it'll help you 
if those numbers and the way things are going, um, if you're going to be able to achieve your goals. So it's important to review those goals, make sure they are meaningful to you, because if they are meaningful to you, they will drive action on your behalf to go back and make sure that your finances, that your spending plan, your budget is aligned despite rising interest rate, rising inflation to actually help you achieve those goals. So review those goals. And I and uh, I tie into that transitions. Why am I talking about transitions? Because sometimes um, you may have a goal, which is a transition, but sometimes transitions happen without you planning them. And these are just normal life things that you're most likely to go through without even planning to have them as goals. So you want to make sure that you clearly know the possible transitions coming your way so that you can know how inflation and rising interest rates could be impacting those transitions. Take, for example, somebody getting ready to go into retirement. Now you have inflation and you have rising interest rates. What does that mean for your retirement? What does that mean for your cash flow during your retirement? What does that mean for your nest egg that you have built, uh, that took you decades to build? What, what does that mean for the way you, you invest or uh, for uh, the way your financial advisor invests these things for you? So that's why it's important for you to review your upcoming goals and transitions. Number one, uh, to motivate you to uh, do num- the action point number one, which was reviewing your spending plan. And number two, to make sure that um, these goals are actually still um, well achievable and maybe to take the necessary steps, the necessary adjustments so that you avoid bad surprises um, in uh, pursuing those goals. Then... Um, Point of action number three. So start with number one, which is review your spending plan. Uh, Number two, which is review your upcoming goals and transitions. And again, that also applies to your personal situation and to uh, your corporate situation. Number three is going to be increase after-tax income and disposable income. Increase after-tax income and disposable income. What, What do I mean by that? Did you know that the average Canadian household is paying 43% in taxes? So that is like you're working almost half of the year just to pay taxes. Just picture that and tell me how you feel. <laughs> Go to thrive1110.ca, thrive1110.ca, and tell me how you feel about that idea that you're working half of the year just to pay taxes, meaning 43% of your income is going into flame in taxes. All right. So, number three here, coming back to this topic of inflation and interest rates, uh, which are increasing. Number three is. Increase your after-tax income, uh, your disposable income. So in order to increase your after-tax income, which means uh, the money you have uh, at your disposition to spend, to use, however you want to give, etc., you need to find ways to minimize your tax. 
to legally pay less tax. So are there ways that you can pay less tax? And by the way, when I said 43% taxes, you might be sitting there saying, well, no, I don't pay 43% in taxes. Uh, if I take a look at uh, my uh, my uh, tax return, it's not 43%. Well, that's okay. But what I mean is, yes, it is possible that you're actually paying 43% income tax. But if you combine all the different taxes you're paying, be it income tax, city tax, school tax, uh, tax on goods and services, etc., you end up paying roughly 43%. And that's for the average the average household in Canada. Okay, so I was saying in order to increase your after-tax income, uh, which actually increases your disposable income, you'll need to find ways to maybe pay less tax, all in a legal way, obviously. And um, did you know that in Canada, you have five ways, five broad categories that you can use, that you can... Uh, that you can um, that are at your disposal basically uh, to build a tax minimization strategy. There are five broad categories, and I'm going to give you those five broad categories that are uh, um, legal in Canada to use in order to pay less tax legally. Number one, income deductions. Number two, income splitting. Number three, income spreading. Number four, tax credits maximization. And number five, tax sheltering. Between these five categories, you actually have um, at least 35 to 40 tax minimization tactics you can use. Am I saying you can use all 35 or all 40? No, that's not what I'm saying. But if I ask you, what is your tax minimization strategy? What can you tell me about that? Can you answer me? Can you give me a line or something that makes sense? Something that I know um, is really working for you. What is your tax minimization strategy? Like I said, you can use income deductions, income splitting, income spreading, tax credits maximization, tax sheltering. And um, between these five, like I said, you have 35 to 40 tax minimization tactics. All of them will not apply to you, most likely not. But are there at least a good number of them that you could take advantage from? So you need to um, talk that over with whoever is doing your tax planning. Now, I want to make a distinction here between um, accounting and tax planning. And and this I'm saying is coming from accountant. It's not coming from me. Um, accountants say that about, about one in 20 accountants are actually tax planners. So are actually uh, doing something that is more than just accounting and filing for your taxes, etc. But actually uh, proactively helping you come up with a tax minimization strategy using those five categories that I mentioned about those 35, 40 single tax minimization tactics. Have a conversation with your accountant if your accountant is also your tax planner or your financial planner, assuming your financial planner does tax planning with you. 
So increase your after-tax income, your disposable income. So a way to do that is minimizing your taxes. Another way to do that, obviously, is to increase your income one way or another by maybe other products and services you're offering, um, um, etc. But you need to do that in a balanced way so that it doesn't take away from your quality of life and from what God is really calling you to do. You still want to stay aligned with what God is calling you to do and conduct operations and business and everything like God is calling you to do. So that was point number three. And recap, point number one was review your spending plan. Point number two was review upcoming goals and transitions. Point number three was increase your after-tax income and your disposable income. And to do that, um, minimize your tax. You can use any of these five categories. And among uh, between all of these five categories, you have 35, 40 single tax minimization tactics. The other point... So number four would be debt management. So review your debt. If you have debt, maybe you have business debt, maybe you have personal loans, mortgages, lines of credit, what can you do? Number one, is it possible for you to pay down some capital, some principal? So the amount you borrowed, that's what I call the capital or the, pr the principal. Um, uh, capital would be uh, derived from the French, uh, but the principal amount. So that's what you want to pay down because the interest rates that you're paying on your debt, be it a mortgage or a loan or a line of credit, the interest rates are really calculated based on the amount of money that you still owe to the financial institution or to the lender. So if you decrease that amount that you owe, it means you're paying less interest because the same percentage applied to a lesser amount owing, well, it gives you a lesser interest. So this is the simple common sense point. Pay down some of the money you owe uh, because that will reduce the amount of interest you're paying. Therefore, it'll reduce your spending costs. It'll reduce the portion of your after-tax income that goes towards paying interests. So see what ways you have, um, maybe by reviewing your spending plan, etc., by increasing your after-tax income, you will find ways to have surpluses and then use part of that surplus in order to pay off, to pay down some of the debt you have. So that is something, again, that you want to review with whoever is your financial advisor so that um, they can help you prioritize things um, in a way that is going to make the most impact uh, for you and in a way that is going to make the most sense um, in regards to what you're called to accomplish, in regards to your goals, in regards to your transitions. Debt management, that was point number four. And inside debt management, I said, number one, see if you can pay off, pay down some of that debt. Number two, see if you can actually make those interests you're paying deductible. See if there are ways, for example, if in your case, you have such a debt that can be converted into a, into a debt where the interest rates can be deducted, maybe that could be something for you. So again, see with whoever is advising you, if you have some debt that could be 
converted that could be transformed in one way or another so that your interest payments, so that whatever you have paid as interest become deductible from your income, meaning um, at the end of the year, uh, the total of the interest you have paid uh, comes and decreases your taxable income so that you can actually get a tax refund. So that, that's what it means to have uh, your interest deductible. Uh, and there are some types of debt that, that um, um, allow you to deduct those interest payments from your revenue, from your income, and others, not so much. So you want to see if you have ways of, of converting whatever debt you have, transforming it, switching it, exchanging it to those types of debts where you can actually deduct the interest rates. And uh, talking about debt management, maybe you want to find ways to do both. Ways to pay down, pay off what you actually owe, and ways to make these interest rates deductible. So that was point number um, point number four. Yeah. Now let's move on to point number five. And point number five is asset management. And in asset management, I talked earlier, especially in the previous episode, of the fact that when we say the prices of goods and services has increased, in reality, what we're saying is that the cash we have has lost value. Therefore, it takes more cash to buy the same thing. Because actually, that thing that we're buying... Um, uh, has not we have not produced more it has not become more rare it's just that it takes more cash to get a hold of that good or that service so in that sense managing and and putting your cash in vehicles in assets that keep retain value is going to be key and that's what i'm talking about when i'm talking about stores of value is there a place where you can store your cash instead of keeping it in your checking account or in your savings account, seeing its value being eroded each time inflation goes up? Is there a place you can put that money? Is there something you can buy that will retain its value as inflation goes up, as interest rates go up? So that's something um, that you want to think about, something you want to talk about with whoever is your asset manager, whoever is your wealth manager. You want to have that conversation with them. Stores of value. Yes, people talk about real estate. I was talking with someone, um, uh, um, with actually several people, and they were telling me how right now there are cases where uh, people bought real estate a few months ago with possession um, in these times we are in right now. But between the time they acquired the property and now where they are to take possession, um, and uh, because of inflation and the interest rates rising and the real estate market cooling down, well, the value of the property has decreased. And they haven't even taken possession of it. So, yes, real estate is a good investment, but I would say do not put all your eggs in the basket of real estate because you never know what can happen with one single particular asset class. And real estate is an asset class. Is it a, a good investment vehicle? For sure. But you need 
to have diversification. You need to know what you're doing and diversify your assets into places, different places that can store value, that can represent a hedge against inflation. And um, if you're in retirement, I really feel you because most likely uh, whoever planned your retirement with you planned with a 2% retirement uh, inflation rate. And now we're sitting at 8.1%. That simply means that your the real rate of return of investments have to factor that in. So if your investment is bringing you a 5% rate of return, the real rate of return of that investment is actually minus 3%, which is the rate of return of your investment minus inflation. So you might see the same dollar value in your accounts and in your investment statements, etc. But what it means in real life is that your money has been devaluated. So you want to use um, assets that keep um, um, that are actually a hedge against inflation, and there 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 are other options. Real estate is a good option, but I would encourage you not to put all your eggs in the basket of real estate. There are other options you can consider. And if you don't have any idea, just get in touch and we'll have a conversation. And the other thing too is you want to diversify, not just the assets, meaning you want to diversify not just where you put your money, but also the strategies that you're using. TFSA, RRSP, non-registered um, insurance, all these kind of, kinds of things. You want to diversify your strategies in order to, to really be well positioned to not only survive, but even thrive in contexts like we're living today and uh, who knows what the future has in store for us. So that was point number, let's, let me see. Point number one was review your spending plan. Point number two was review your upcoming goals and transitions. Point number four was increase your after-tax income, your disposable income. Point number four was your debt management. Point number five, that was asset management. We just talked about it. Um, and point number six, uh, it's the last on the list that I'm going to share with you today, but it is the most important. It is talk with Holy Spirit. Just talk with Holy Spirit. And some of you might say, yeah, 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 we know. Yeah, really? And I'll say, really? And that's not even judgmental. Because if God is real to you, if Holy Spirit is really a person, and it's real, and it's not just a theological concept and a feel-good concept and something that is reserved just for your Sunday mornings or your prayer meetings, if it is something that is reality for you on a daily basis, if it is a real relationship, then why not? Especially knowing that this Holy Spirit knows all, knows everything before it even starts. So out of everything I said, really, if you just retain one, 
is talk with Holy Spirit and ask him those questions that you have about inflation, about the interest rates and what you should do with the money uh, you have and et cetera, et cetera, with your properties, with your retirement plans, with your goals, with your transition, with your debt, with your mortgage. Should I go fixed? Should I go variable? This, that, ask Holy Spirit. That requires a relationship. That requires building, spending time to build, to be close so that you can hear, so that you can have this really, this practical relationship. And, and most of us really don't want to take time to build that relationship. And we want quick fixes to things, quick answers to questions we have. But really, time that you put into a relationship with Holy Spirit is time that is so, so well invested. Time that is so, so well invested. Holy Spirit will guide you. Holy Spirit will tell you things to come, things that you should avoid, things that you should do, even to the, to the, to the details that you're not even expecting. Holy Spirit is not there to talk to you about your prayer life only or to what you do on Sunday or during the prayer meeting, but Holy Spirit is very practical and wants to be your friend and talk to you and communicate with you in those very aspects, those very financial questions and everything related. So may you be at the point and move towards the point where you are cultivating a closer relationship with this Holy Spirit, where you're investing the time in this relationship with Holy Spirit, because that's where life really is. And that's where, and that's how you'll avoid mistakes that you will regret. That's where you'll do things that People out there watching, looking at you will say, how did you do that? How did you avoid that? How did you know to do this? How did you know to sell in time? How did you know to do? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Can Holy Spirit guide you to have a conversation with a professional? Absolutely. Can Holy Spirit guide you to ask questions to somebody who knows more than you, who is uh, an expert in a specific field? Absolutely. But it starts with Holy Spirit. It ends with Holy Spirit. So we're coming to the end of this episode. And uh, uh, this is part two of uh, the series on uh, inflation and interest rates. And I'll be putting up a webinar um, pretty shortly regarding um, those um, inflation and interest rate questions, etc. And if you want to be part of this webinar, participate in, just send me a message through thrive1110.ca and I'll make sure to uh, send you the links or the registration form once the webinar is up and, um, and uh, so you can learn more, so you can see more practical things that uh, throughout the airwaves like that, it's a little bit hard to show. And, and so I can just learn to know who you are and, uh, and maybe uh, have, uh, have a new friend. So this is Thrive 1110. And uh, the reason why um, this show exists is so that you, as God's righteous people, can thrive. Because as you thrive, normally it impacts people around you. It, it impacts positively your family. It impacts your community. It impacts your city. And God, God's kingdom advances. 
So I want to invite you to tune in next week as we talk about a brand new subject um, related to business and finances from a biblical perspective. Again, not like the world does things, but from a biblical perspective. That's our ambition and that's what we are counting on Holy Spirit to help us do. And uh, between now and then, stay safe, invest time in this relationship with Holy Spirit and uh, ask questions if you have them on thrive1110.ca. I'm Bol Kere, your host, and this is Thrive 1110. When honest people prosper, the whole city celebrates. Thrive 1110. To learn more or to connect with Bold, go to thrive1110.ca.